Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I am the senior pastor at Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall, the associate pastor of the same church. How's it going? I, you know what? I'm feeling great. Awesome. We got away for a couple of days. Awesome. Did some planning. Got yeah. some. Got some rest. Got some renewed focus for the time ahead. Right. Because we've got some exciting news. We do. For the uh, 2021 podcast. That's right. You're not going to hear about it here. At least not yet. Not yet. It's coming. But it's coming. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep listening. No reason to give up now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Although there's probably a good portion of people that are like, I was just suffering through. I was just <laughs> thinking it's almost over. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that it is almost over. At least our journey through the Bible in a year. It is. We are really closing in on these last few episodes. Right. And this is this is not coasting to the finish. No. <laughs> this is, uh, you know when you have like your long distance runners, mm-hmm. which this has been, and then you get to the end and you save a little bit for the kick at the end. Mm. That's what this is. Just run. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Get it. All right. So... Today we're going to read 2 Corinthians in the first half of Romans. Yeah. Even the more than the first half of like the the better first two thirds. First two yeah, something like that. Yeah, a lot of Romans ish. ish. 10 chapters. That's right. All right. Uh 2 Corinthians. Mm. You want to do a forest on 2 Corinthians? I mean, you could take us in a couple of different directions. You can. I think you can take it in a lot of directions. Sure, all kinds of writing. I'm gonna wrong. go with I'm gonna go with Paul's talking with the real deal here. Mm-hmm. Talking a little bit about how he's the real deal. He has to do some some personal reminding PR who, who I am. <laughs> yeah, don't I, forget who I, I am. I'm the real deal here, folks. Yeah, it, it's funny as he's doing that. He can't believe he's saying these things. He's apologizing throughout. Right? Like, he's appalled that he has to do this. <laughs> but he also understands that it's necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of that. When I look at Second Corinthians, it, bef- at least before you get to the other part of it, mm-hmm. this is what Christian living looks like. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know what it looks like to, to live your life as a Christian in very sort of practical ways point me to the bible and show me what it looks like to be a christian mm-hmm. second corinthians yeah yeah and i i find that second corinthians uh especially compared to romans is v- a very personal letter mm-hmm. like he, he's very much talking to them i mean all the epistles are letters to the church but he's really addressing them right which is kind of interesting because first corinthians he is roasting them. He is. First uh, Corinthians is, what are you thinking? Second Corinthians is, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> that has caused some people to believe that maybe Second Corinthians was actually the first letter. Uh, because in order to do that, you'd have to grant that Paul was gracious enough to say those matters are behind us and we've moved on. Uh, and so maybe that says more for them 
to say, oh no, I'm not moving on from that, right? Like yeah. there's still always going to be this disdain <laughs> among us, <laughs> this, this trouble after the things that you've gone through in 1 Corinthians. Uh, but no, they, there is, I, have, I have this program downloaded on my computer that integrates into everything that I type. And when I'm typing emails, I get this little icon at the bottom corner of the email that tells me what the temperature of my, uh, not only if you've made mistakes or whatever, but what the temperature is. Okay. And so it'll change from like, uh, if, if it's a really academic writing, then they've got on like this, this the emoji, but with like a, a little graduate cap okay. on. Okay. If it's very business-like, there's a shirt and tie that pops up or okay. like a t-shirt, right? Just sort of telling you how it's going. Mm -hmm. um, these are very different temperatures. Yes. yes. First Corinthians, angry face. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians, friendly. Friendly face. Yeah. And then Romans would have the academic hat on, I think, again. Right. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. I mean... Just for fun. Okay. You should download Grammarly. Okay. Type out all of First and Second Corinthians and Romans and see if that's actually what you get. <laughs> see how it goes. <laughs> because what else are you doing with your time? <laughs> right, right. I mean, I can use the copy and paste function, so that will... Nah. <laughs> so, Paul begins the Second Corinthians... Um, with this idea of comfort, which is mm -hmm. interesting because he's laid the hammer on them in this first letter, mm -hmm. but now he wants to, you know, soothe, soothe their concerns a little bit. Not, not that the, not that the charges that he made previously weren't significant, but walking this life, um, can be a challenge and he wants them to be comforted by the God of all comfort. Yeah, I... Yes, there's work to be done. Yes, we're not perfect. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we aren't being loved and cherished by our God mm -hmm. and brought along. Yeah. And we have to find space for both. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get caught up in the whole like, yeah, but in the end, God loves us and that's what matters. Mm. It's also easy to get caught up in, but because of that love, we're supposed to be doing this thing right and and falling on either side of that fence is easy mm -hmm. resting in the tension between those that's what paul's calling for yeah yeah so as we journey through it i mean paul deals with some kind of things about whether or not he wants to you know wants to visit them but there's some challenges to to that goal to those plans. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting that he talks to uh, the people about this one who's been disciplined. Right. And how it's time to, it's time to forgive them. It's time to bring them back in. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder if this is the person in the first letter. Possibly. Who was doing some pretty bad stuff. I, like Possibly, but it's a big church. That's true. Right. In any case, it's something that he's written to them about previously. Right. Like he's referring to, he refers to other letters or another letter several times uh, because that's obviously, this is a, this is a follow-up in part on, on some of the things that he's addressed. Um, then he gets into this, I mean, a couple chapters in, starts talking about what it means to be ministers of the new covenant. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's like, do we need uh, letters of recommendation to get you or do we need them from you? Like, is that is that what we need to have in order for you to take us seriously? Right. Is there is there something that we're lacking in, in some way? Um, but instead, he goes into this discussion about how you know what they what they have engaged in is from god right and they are operating in the spirit um and there's there's some interesting imagery that he uses um in second corinthians 2 i'll just go back a little bit he talks about how they are the aroma of christ to god among those who are being saved mm-hmm. and among those who are perishing right to one it's a fragrance of death and to the other it's a fragrance of life and I think this speaks to a lot when when we are walking uh, genuinely as followers of Christ, you are going to see that. You're going to see very different responses to what you're putting out there, mm-hmm. right? And there are some people who are going to respond really well to that, and there are some who are going to be very put off by that, right? like it's a bad smell. And I, I find that to be kind of an interesting thing to just, un- just to understand and anticipate as we're as we're walking this journey. Yeah, and I, and I think the unfortunate desire is that we would smell like roses for everyone. Right. And and Paul is not telling them that this is the case because something went wrong. Mm. He's saying this is just the case. Yeah. Right? Uh, so yeah, when we present the gospel to some, it's going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I went about it the wrong way, per se. That's not to say it can't be gone about the wrong way. This is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for you know, me making huge mistakes. But it is to say that is as much an expectation as that the person would hear and repent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He also addresses the situation amongst his brethren, the Jewish brethren, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, he goes into a lot of it in in Romans as well, as we'll see. But he talks about this, uses the analogy of the veil of Moses, Right, that as as Moses was receiving things from God, he had to wear this veil over his face because the people couldn't handle how that revelation had impacted Moses. Right, and now he says, but that's not the case anymore. Right, for us, he says, when when they when they're reading the scriptures, they still have this veil. They're they're vis- they're not seeing the things properly. I mean, can you imagine being a Jewish scholar studying Isaiah? And then you're like, yeah, but that Jesus stuff, nah. Right. Like how? How yeah. does that? How does that compute? Well, there's there's a veil there. There's a a spiritual barrier. Something that yeah, something that's preventing them. Yeah. Right. Whether it be God Himself saying not yet mm. for them, mm-hmm. like He does with Paul Himself. Sure. Or whether it's something that that they are holding on to that is making them willful, willfully uh, to willfully disbelieve. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I can eventually spit it out there. Willfully ignorant. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good radio moment. Right yeah, there. that's a great radio moment. Nice, nice dead airspace. Um, so in chapter four, mm-hmm. um, we get this image of the jars of clay. Yes. Right? And so he talks about how we are, in a sense, these jars of clay. And although we are afflicted, right? We are 
afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And and in a sense, like our weakness, right? The weakness of our our bodies and, and our this temporal existence that we have, right, being pictured in jars of clay, God is actually glorified because he's working through us in those circumstances. In, right. in our limitations. Yeah, and so the issue is about the contents, not the container. Mm. Right? That is the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is the contents, the Spirit of God, mm. and not the container. And we we love to get this flipped, right? Where we say, oh, I, w- I would love to preach the gospel to them, but I'm not perfect. So mm. what I have to do is I have to be perfect, and then they will see that it's the contents that have made me perfect. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't say, no, you're, you're a vessel of gold that is also <laughs> holding gold. Right. That's not it. He says you're a jar of clay, and what is of value is what is inside. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not only do we have to stay away from the idea that uh, I have to be the perfect thing in order for people to buy into the value of this thing, because that is not biblically true. Right. The other thing is we, we have to forget about the idea that we're selling people on be like me and focus on selling people on receive what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where I think we get too caught up in the, I have to be better before I can present Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. What we need is to just say, you and I both need him. And right. we're, at, we're at different places mm-hmm. on where we need him and what he can do for us and what he is doing in us. Mm-hmm. But go to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Focus on the contents and not the container Yeah, not in your al- gospel presentation. Yeah, not allow the weakness of our own flesh to prevent us from proclaiming Christ. Yeah, right. and and if someone says, "Well, I hear that, but I I'm still just not comfortable sharing the gospel," mm. I would say to them, "Make a list of all of the things that you think make you a bad candidate for sharing the gospel, and then let's look at those and say how many of them are focused on you, and how many of them are focused on him." Right. Get rid of the ones that have nothing to do with you, have something to do with you. Right. Because. The scripture is full of people who are like, yeah, but why me? And God does mighty works through them. Mm-hmm. Get rid of those and see what you got left. <laughs> yeah, because there won't be because there won't be much unless unless you don't want to end up in this situation because um, spoiler alert, that will be followed with some serious conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love like throughout Second Corinthians, um, Paul kind of reiterates the gospel in different ways. Right. There's some really beautiful pictures of how he does that, that I really appreciated as I was reading through it. Um, right. He talks about this whole, like the need for reconciliation to God, right. He talks about becoming a new creation, um, which is kind of a beautiful picture. And we get in second Corinthians five, uh, 21 for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right. Right? This kind of substitutionary propitiation language sure around that. And I just I love I love how Paul kind of he he says throughout the epistle he he says the same thing the same essential thing multiple times but in different 
context just to really kind of drive the point home of like, this is your new identity. This is what Christ has done for you. This is who you are now. Um, and I just, I really appreciated that throughout the epistle. Um, he addresses his first epistle in um, 2 Corinthians 7. Oh, hopefully I'm not skipping no, go ahead. too far ahead right now. Because he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so right. that you suffered no loss through us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's maybe worth mentioning the distinctions between a worldly grief and a godly grief. Right. right. Yeah, and, and this is this is an important thing, particularly in our society, because we live in a society that says, if you're not affirming, you don't love. Right. And in order for someone to move forward, they have to be affirmed. Right? Otherwise, any sort of... Um, I saw a tweet the other day that uh, that said, "Just so you know, it is uh, it's not helpful to tell children that they're broken or something about them is not right." Mm. And someone, a, a pastor, uh, a friend of mine, retweeted it with a little aside that said, "Interestingly." We tell everyone that there's broke that they're broken, <laughs> and that there's something about them that they can't fix on their own. Yeah, uh, something about them that needs to change. Um, the The affirmation culture says people can only grow if they're affirmed to believe that they're good. The mm. problem with that is, if you're affirmed to believe that you're good, there's no reason to grow. Yeah, what's your motivation I'm, to change I'm anything? I'm yeah. here, right? Uh, and so. That, that doesn't mean we're critical just for the sake of being critical. We're going to be critical so that you'll change what you're doing so that you'll grow. It, it's not necessarily to use a tool. It's eye-opening. It's mm-hmm. revelation. Mm-hmm. To, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Like for all the affirmation culture, we know deep down that we're struggling. Yeah. Um, but, to, but to be able to say to people, hey, listen, this is what God has for you that you can't do on your own. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about moralism here. Right. We're not talking about start doing, stop doing, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about receive. Mm-hmm. That is the rudimentary gospel message. Receive because you can't do mm-hmm. on your own. Mm-hmm. And that kind of grief mm-hmm. will lead us to a place where we say, you're right. Mm-hmm. And maybe that stings a bit, but accepting it leads to eternal life. Yeah. Well, and the grief can't be the end, right? Mm-hmm. It's the grief that leads to repentance, right? It's a grief. If, if if we're just grieved over our sin and we just sit there, we're just like, wow, I, I really suck. And that we don't do anything about that. No, we need the the repentance. So the, not just the acknowledgement of that, but, but the turning away. Mm-hmm. And the turning away and receiving something better, right? Right. And, need- and people receive these things so differently, right? Like mm-hmm. you can finish a sermon— and have a person come up to you afterward and be like, you know, I, it's a little bit critical, and I think you need to be more uplifting. Mm. And then the, the next person in line come up to you and say, that was so convicting. Thank you. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, that's just it's all about how we measure and what we do with those revelations mm. of where we stand in contrast and comparison with mm-hmm. the Holy God. Yeah. Uh Paul Paul discusses the whole idea of generosity where he points to the example of these generous Macedonians mm-hmm. who not only gave out of their abundance, but almost gave beyond <laughs> their ability. And he says, like, this is what you guys should be doing too. And he doesn't necessarily bind their conscience in the same way. Like, it's it's interesting. Like, he he's kind of open-handed with it, but he's like, this is something that you should also be excelling in. Yes, your faith and your speech and your knowledge are great. Um try to excel in this also, right? The The purpose of your abundance is so that you might be able to give generously. That is huge. Mm-hmm. We have to wrestle individually with God over how much time we spend saying, God, you've blessed us materially and how much time we say, God, you have equipped us mm. materially. Mm-hmm. Because I think we've been very well trained to count our blessings, name them one by one. Right. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Right. But sometimes that's n- not enough. That could fall short. It mm-hmm. could fall short in such a way that it causes you to say, I recognize this is from God. And if we stop there, then what we say is, this is from God for me. Mm-hmm. And it could be that the master hasn't gone away and left with his three servants a gift for them to keep, but instead has given it to them as something to be invested, right? You're not being gifted, you're being equipped. Right. And and I think that's what Paul is saying here, right? Like, he, he doesn't come at it to say, you shouldn't have anything. In verse six, he even just like explicitly drops it. Okay, this is the point. The <laughs> point is this: if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. This is not a sow your seed of blessing. The more you give to the televangelist, the more you're going to get. Right. That's not what he's saying. He's saying each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Right. So. This is between you and God to say, God, I am here to be transparent with you and to hear from you and to act according to the conviction you placed on my heart. But I'm opening up myself Mm. or as a couple to say, we are opening up ourselves to say, God, where have we counted Mm -hmm. equipment as blessing? Yeah. And such a way as to say, it's all on the table. What would you have us do? Mm-hmm. Right? That's what Paul is calling them to do. Mm-hmm. And then to act accordingly. Yeah. Right? You might be in such a place where you say that, and the response you get from God is, this is not the first time we've had this conversation. <laughs> and I'm thankful that you're aware of this. Mm. And you mm-hmm. are where I would have you to be. Mm-hmm. I don't need more from you. Right. Continue. It could be that God says, I've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Paul then kind of goes in again to this defense of his own ministry. Um, there are false apostles. There are people 
uh, preaching different things. Mm-hmm. And he's concerned. Like, he's seriously concerned. He's concerned that, you know, they, they are being deceived. He's concerned that people are proclaiming a different Christ or a different spirit or a different gospel. And he's saying, you're putting up with this. Right. Like, that's that's kind of his charge against them. He's like, people are bringing this nonsense in to your community, and you're tolerating it. Yeah. And, and this is, like... This is as far as I think we need to go with this because we're already 25 minutes. Oh, okay, wow, yeah. Uh, this is not, it does not assume that the people in Corinth were ignorant. Mm-hmm. It assumes that the false apostles were deceptive, mm. right? And this exists today. This is why you need to know your Bible. You have to know your Bible well because if you don't know your Bible well, you are going to be easily dissuaded and we see so many times that people will come in and and you'll have things that are not necessarily listen false teachers don't come in with black cloaks and hoods pulled over their heads to shade their face a nice little smoke that fills the room around them to say i am here to teach you something other (laughs) right right because that's not deceptive Mm -hmm. what they do is they come in and they look just like everyone else Mm -hmm. and they open the bible and they teach deception using the bible satan did that right did god really say Mm -hmm. and then he misquotes scripture when jesus is being tempted he uses scripture so so this is to say just because an author is his, his work can be purchased at a christian bookstore does not make him christian that's right just because they call themselves pastor or worse <laughs> does not mean that the gospel they are bringing you is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And they're sure we get accused of being picky. I understand that. Right. Uh, like the whole, like, Oh, well you're not leaving room for the Holy spirit to do other works or bigger works or, you're spending so much time as a watchdog. You should just, if they call it Christian, you should just receive it as such. Paul is telling us here, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Be careful. What is the end of the message they get, they gave you? Mm-hmm. Is it self? Is it for uh, the comfort of your flesh? Is it for the comfort of their own flesh? <laughs> yeah. Or is it recognition of the finished work of Christ? Mm-hmm. Because that's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. True for Corinth, true for us. Awesome. Romans. Romans. Yeah, so Romans is, I mean, Romans is very well known. It, it is kind of this systematic walk, right? There's a reason why the people call it the Romans road. Like, it is a step-by-step, here's why you are all in the situation you're in. It's an uphill walk. It's an uphill walk, yeah. This is not a stroll in the park. No, no. And it's like, how do we get to where we need to get to, right? Right. Second Corinthians is pretty easy to read. Yeah. Romans re- Romans can get hairy. It can. So I, I think I think the best way to understand Romans apart from the letters to Corinth is to understand the history behind it that is provided in the scripture. Mm. Right. Like we're not imposing a historical narrative onto the scripture. The history provided in the scripture is that Paul is very familiar with the church in Corinth. Mm-hmm. And so he speaks to them with that familiarity. Right. Lots of, hey, remember last time I was there? 
Right. And I hung out with you and I had dinner with this person and that person. In Romans, he's not gone to them. Yeah, he doesn't He really doesn't know, know anyone there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about people that are there in the same way that he does to some in some of his other letters. Mm-hmm. This is a church he longs to visit, a church of great significance. And so what he's saying to them is, since I haven't been able to go and sit with you and teach you and make sure that you have fundamental truths down, mm-hmm. let me just make, let me do that in a letter. Right. Because I don't know when I'm going to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the meantime, take this. Right. And this will, this will help keep you on track. Right. So this is the closest thing that we have to a systematic theology in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that was its purpose. Yeah. No, you're right. To lay a groundwork. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he begins with God's wrath on the unrighteousness. Essentially, they ought to know. Mm-hmm. But they rejected the things of God. They right. They pursued the worship of lesser things. And so God gave them over to their passions. Right. Why is the world so messed up? That's why. God will... Essentially, the point here is to say God will not overlook sin. Exactly, yeah. Don't don't give to the idea that God is watching us from a distance. He doesn't really see what's going on. And when he does see, he doesn't really care because grace and mercy and all that. Mm-hmm. Right? Those things are true of God, but justice is also true of God. Mm-hmm. Grace and mercy on those who would believe mm-hmm. and repent. Yeah. Justice on those who would not. Yeah. And, and trying to kind of hide behind the law, boasting in the law, he says, like, those of you who are boasting in that are actually dishonoring God because you break the law, right? And we get the none is righteous, no, not one, right? Mm-hmm. No one understands, no one seeks God. Um, when he starts getting into chapter 3, um, we get a, a picture of how... Um, all of us are in the same boat, right? There's no distinction. All of us have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us are also saved the same way. We are justified by his grace, which is a gift. There's not two plans of salvation for two different peoples. Right. Right? The, the gospel that came for the Jewish people is the same as those the one that came for the Gentiles. Um. Which is important for the church to remember, because sometimes we get into the whole, like, well, I've I've always been in the church, and mm. so um, I'm sort of done. <laughs> this is this whole message is really for you, kind of a thing, right? Mm. We we forget that we are we are also the beggars, mm-hmm. right? We don't go to them saying this is what you need to change. Mm-hmm. We go to them saying this is where we can be healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and. Like we cannot be justified by our works um, because we are simply unable. So we are justified by faith. And he points all the way back to Abraham, right? It says, look, it, like quoting Genesis, like it was Abraham's faith mm-hmm. that made him the chosen instrument of God. That led to his works. Yeah, that led to his works, right? Right. And and, and later on he'll talk about how like the, the whole like, relationship between like circumcision and and his faith like the things that he did that he was called to do that set him apart came after came after his faith came after believing god right um the distinction between the first adam and the second adam right 
dead in Adam and alive in Christ. Um, understanding that just like how Adam's sin caused the world to fall through the obedience of Christ, we can find salvation. Yeah, and I know that that sometimes this whole like the first Adam, the second Adam thing can be a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. To break it down to its simplest form is this: the the doctrine of original sin is that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Sin entered into creation. Everything was broken. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we as a part of creation are also broken. Mm-hmm. Christ has come to restore and undo the curse in the same way that we are broken because we are in the lineage of and in the atmosphere created by Adam Mm. and his sin. We can be in the lineage and the atmosphere created by Christ, which is that of redemption. And so being in him, there is life, whereas in Adam, there is death. Mm. So because it's all through grace, should we go on sinning that grace may abound to him? By no means. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, you are, we're a new creation, right? We, we're, we're now dead to that sin, right? And, and this idea of like, we were slaves to sin, but now we ought to be slaves to righteousness. Right. And, and this is, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, where there are a couple of people that will look to this and they'll be like, you can't tell people that. If you tell people that grace and mercy is what saves them hmm. and that it is the finished work of Christ alone, then they are not going to change the way they live and they're not going to live in righteousness. That is only true if they are still the old creation. That's right. If they are still saying, I got something to earn here. Right? I, I've, I've got to prove myself before God. I've got to save myself. That would be moralistic inspiration. Mm. But when a person receives the Holy Spirit, when they are broken and made new, the old mindset passes away. The new mindset says, now that I am in Christ, I am eternally changed. Mm-hmm. And I want to proceed with gratitude and live my life in worship of him. Mm-hmm. When a person makes the statement, you're not going to get behavioral modifications from people if you tell them that grace and mercy is the only way you're saved. It only tells me that that person doesn't understand the gospel and salvation. What they are longing for mm. is behavioral modifications according to the Bible, right? which is, as Paul would say, trust in the law mm. and not in grace, right? and it misses the boat. Yeah. He says in verse 22 that, talking to them, he says that the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Mm-hmm. Right, so even even our behavioral modification, for for lack of a better term, is something that we are essentially receiving. That doesn't mean that there's not there's not effort involved and repentance involved in the Christian mm-hmm. life. Certainly, certainly those things are a huge part of of our walk. But um, this is something that that we are gifted as new creations. Right. I I think I've even used the analogy on here before. So forgive me for doing it again. It is the fruit of what's inside of you. So apple trees produce apples because Mm -hmm. that's who they are. 
you can't hang enough apples on a pine tree to make it an apple tree, <laughs> right? It's not like you get a bundle of string, a bushel of apples, and you're like, I'm going to do my part to turn this cedar into an apple tree. <laughs> Look at it, it's covered in apples, <laughs> Yeah. right? No, it's because of the ethos of that apple tree that mm-hmm. it would produce that fruit. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way salvation works. That's the way good works come from the salvation of the yeah. believer. Now, don't get fr- too freaked out if you're not walking that in that perfectly. Because even Paul himself will go on to say, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Let's run this analogy further. Okay. Usually you'll end up running it into the ground, but this one goes further. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Sometimes you get an apple tree that's not producing apples. Mm. You know what you do with it? You prune it. You cut off the branches. Yeah. And that hurts. Yeah. But in the end, yeah, it's all for good. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um. Romans 8 mm-hmm. is just amazing. John Piper's favorite chapter in the Bible? It, yeah, pr- yeah, and I, I totally get why, right? Um, just the, the everything from the promise of our future glory, right? The things that we are going through. I mean, all of creation is anticipating this new reconciliation that's going to happen. I mean, there's just so much good here. Um, We spent the whole summer of 2019 on this chapter mm -hmm. in our sermon series. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about it is we get frustrated sometimes that when we we read things like the oldest pass away and all things become new, Mm. and we're like, I feel old. <laughs> Not feeling new today. Uh, and, and that can be concerning. Hmm. We want for a nice, clean, either a nice, clean transition to say, I became a believer and I've never wanted for sin since. Uh, or at least, if not a nice, clean transition, at least a nice, clean progression. Hmm. Right? No ups and downs. Um, Paul is talking here about what is, what is done and being done in the same way, right? In the same way that he says sanctification is a process, he also talks about it as something being completed. Mm. So how do we reconcile that? Is, is our sanctification a process or something that has been completed by Christ at the cross? The answer is yes. Yeah, to both. To both. It is a finished work in that there is nothing left to be done, but the process of it is still at work in us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and it's with assuredness, right? The confidence of our faith mm-hmm. is that the Bible talks about this thing being done as if it's done. Right. Right? Yeah, and I mean, without getting too into philosophy here, God is not constrained by time the same way that we are, right? Mm-hmm. So the reality is that if in his perspective, yes, it's done. It's done, done, right? But for us, it's being done. Um, in our temporal situation, we, we feel that we feel that walk, that two steps forward, one step back, day-to-day kind of struggle. But but it's not all in our own strength, and, and so we get kind of the the chain, 
right? In verse 29, for those right. whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it's like, he sounds like he's doing a lot for us there. Right. There's, there's very little of the work of man. Mm-hmm. Which is which is good for me, because mm-hmm. I'm weak. Right. If it was in my own hands, I would be in a bad situation. And I think that that's the encouragement he's giving us here. Yeah, that's what this is. Yeah, that's what this is for. Right. Right. It, it it's about it's about assurance. I think, <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to help people understand that, like, you are in a place. Like you are safe in God's will, but I I would say it's it's assurance to an end, mm. not not assurance just to be able to say oh good for me, mm-hmm. right? But assurance to say I can be about the work that I have been put to, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but going and speaking the truth of Christ because of what He's done for me. Mm. Right, I, I think this is where reading Second Corinthians and Romans together is very useful because mm-hmm. I think these two messages overlap. Yeah, or uh, harmonize. I guess. Yeah, uh, Romans nine. Mm-hmm. Go. God's sovereign <laughs> choice is the way the ESV opens it up. Yeah, I mean, Paul is kind of seems to be in a little bit of anguish over the rejection. That how many of his countrymen have rejected Christ. Right. Um, but he says, like, look, like, it's not that God has failed because some of my countrymen are not accepting Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Not all who are descended from Israel truly belong to Israel. Right. They're not just children of Abraham because they are genetic descendants from him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we kind of distinguishing this whole thing about there are, are some who are part of that and some who are not. He addresses this hypothetical question, right? In verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part for doing this? Mm -hmm. He says, by no means. Right. Because he will have mercy on whom he has mercy and compassion on those who have compassion. And people have a really hard time with this, right? And we see examples of like, Pharaoh and his heart that was hardened, right? And so, again, he deals with these other anticipated questions of why why would God still find fault in this situation? Mm-hmm. Who can resist his will? Right. And he answers it. He just says, "Who are, who are you?" Sure. And and I think, I. I... This is where we have to, to come to understand some of the terminology and some of the greater process of things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when God talks about hardening the hearts of people, he's not talking about taking people who were loving and receptive <laughs> of him right. and making them not that way, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if, if people really want to get upset about Pharaoh's heart being hardened, they'd be like, Pharaoh was a believer in a Messiah to come that would be the Christ. <laughs> right. That he, in and of himself, could not save himself, but God Almighty, sovereign yeah. and holy, mm-hmm. in him is my faith. Yeah. No. That is not where Pharaoh was. No. Pharaoh's heart was, the, the word heart in there means fixed, right? right? He was opposed to the idea of God. And he remained opposed. And he remained. Yeah. Because God held him there. Yeah. 
if a person dies in their sin, and we believe that their days are numbered by God, it is no different for God to say, I have ended their life while they're in their sin, Mm -hmm. versus saying, I have chosen that they would continue in life, but they would remain in their sin, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The outcome ultimately is going to be the same. Uh, Pharaoh, and we see that in Romans chapter one, God turns them over to their sin, Mm -hmm. right? Given to their sin. But in Romans 1, the difference is for the purpose of bringing about repentance. That Pharaoh's heart was hardened, it does not say, until the day of his death, Mm -hmm. right? In order to accomplish his will, he fixed his heart Mm -hmm. so that he would reject any message from the Hebrews, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, As far as like not all... Not all Hebrews are, not all Israel is Israel, not all Hebrews are Hebrews language. I think the important thing for us to understand in the promise that God is making to Abram when he says, I'm going to make of you a great nation, Mm. the promise is that his seed Mm -hmm. would be the blessing to all the nations. Yeah. That seed is Christ. Yeah, it was a singular offspring. Right. That seed is not the many biological people that would come from him. Yeah. And Paul makes that clear. Mm-hmm. He points out the seed analogy mm-hmm. and makes it clear that we understand that. Yeah. Um, and so, so then, not all who are genetically Israel are what we're talking about when we talk about Israel, the people of God. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is those people who, in the Old Covenant, lived in a foreshadowing of and in a faith in a Christ to come, mm-hmm. and those who place their faith in the Christ who came afterward. Right. Right. All grafted into the same tree that is not an ethnic tree, mm-hmm. but a faith group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so again, like if people are getting hung up on what they feel might be the implications of God's sovereign choice, I think Romans ten kind of will keep things in perspective for us Mm -hmm. because, you know, he talks about how, you know, it's about confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead. That that's, that's what, that's how we will be saved. right? Right. And he says, here's the thing in verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And so, I mean, we go with this good news. Right. Right? We understand that not everyone is going to receive it. Some people are are blinded. Some people are fixed or right. hardened in their state of rejection of the things of God. But that ought not to prevent us from going. We are called to go with that message nonetheless. Right. Right? We don't allow our understanding of election, predestination, whatever, to prevent us from being faithful in the call to evangelism and to missions. Yes. Right? And I mean, that was true of William Carey and David Livingston and Donnerham Johnson and all those guys. Right? I they like went. S- oh, sorry. Uh, no, that's off. it. No, that's it. That's it for me. Um, no, and I think that that last little bit is kind of, is my highlight, that last little section there, right? Mm-hmm. Is that all, all those things we just dealt through can feel like a lot to absorb, but it doesn't really change how we are called to evangelize and spread that 
that message. Yeah, and, and and mine's mine's very similar. The the thing that really stuck stood out to me was that all of this has to do with proclamation, mm. right? The gospel is not lived as much as it's proclaimed. Mm-hmm. That's the scriptural way of handling it. And we have for too long made ourselves comfortable with the idea that um, we we can do good and leave the rest up to God, hmm. right? Like that just sounds right. It's not about it's not about me and what I can say or do. I'm just going to leave it up to God. But that's not God's design. Mm-hmm. God's design is that you would proclaim, mm-hmm. right? That is what He has called us to. And I think we have to wrestle with that because if we say, okay, I acknowledge that the proclamation of the gospel, the speaking of the gospel is what I'm called to, yet I choose to do a different thing, however we justify that different thing, mm-hmm. that's an act of disobedience. Yeah. Right? That's saying to God, I hear you, but no. Um, and yeah. so we, we need to get out of our, um, our mindset of good works leading to salvation, mm. which I think we've covered pretty well today, right. <laughs> but also good works as a fulfillment of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. because neither are true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is about receiving the message of the gospel of Christ and proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. And maybe next week we'll have some fun news to share. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Take care, everybody.